This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Hi, I'm Steve Sharetta, Senior Managing Editor at Knowledge at Wharton, and I'd like to welcome Maurice Schweitzer and Catherine Milkman. Both are Wharton Professors of Operations, Information, and Decisions here. Uh, great to have you both here to discuss this very interesting paper about an area of what I think is sports psychology that has relevant lessons for everyday business. The title is Quitting When the Going Gets Tough, A Downside of High Performance Expectations. And your co-authors, all of whom at the time you're writing this were Wharton doctoral students uh, but have now moved on. They are um, Hen Shendai, who's uh, at UCLA now teaching at Berkeley Divorce at the University of Chicago, and Bradford Tuckfield, who is now with American Express Global Travel. So let's start out by briefly explaining the ideas behind this paper about how favorites and underdogs behave when the going gets tough. People don't always base their decision to hang on there when the going gets tough after an initial setback on how they evaluate it, evaluate their chances for success, do they? They don't. That's exactly right. When when people decide to persist or to quit, it turns out that there's a lot of psychology in that process. And what we went to look at was uh, whether or not it it's an advantage or disadvantage to be a favorite versus an underdog. So in general, there are a lot of positive benefits to having high expectations. Uh, when we set high expectations, people generally perform at higher levels. But in competitions, when you're the favorite and you begin to encounter some difficulty that's more threatening than if you're the underdog. And what we found essentially is this. When the going gets tough, favorites are more likely to quit. So uh, is that true at any time during the competition, or, is the, or does that ha- apply to a specific point in the competition? So we suspect that it's true at any time in the competition. Mm-hmm. The way we studied this was in two different domains that give us some confidence this generalizes. One was in men's professional tennis with a data set of about 300,000 men's professional tennis matches over uh, more than a decade. Uh, We also studied this in a laboratory environment where we brought people in and they competed in a trivia competition, something entirely different than professional tennis. In both contexts, what we saw is that when people were expecting to perform well, they were the favorite in a competition, and then they faced some sort of setback. They faced negative news, essentially, about their performance. We saw that their likelihood of quitting spiked. So um, what... Just if we could just just jump a little bit to practical implications, what are the basic practical implications of this? Because this is sports or, and and trivia, and then there's business, right? And and you're saying that this these ideas have very practical implications for business. We can get into more detail later, but just in general, the top line implications, if you would. Well, I think in general, we want to see people persist, and in both the settings that we examined there were real costs to quitting, uh, both in these tennis matches and in external setups that we had. People were essentially paying to avoid the embarrassment of persisting in the face of bad news. And I think that there are broad managerial implications of this, where 
we want people to persist. We have to be very careful when we have high performers, people with high expectations. When they encounter setbacks, as managers, we have to be very mindful of how threatening that might be to self-image and how, how I mean, we found a pretty substantial effect where this will drive people to quit when we might actually benefit should they persist. What was that substantial effect that you found? Well, in the context of men's professional tennis, what we saw is about a 20% increase in the rate at which uh, tennis players walked off the court and said, you know, I have an injury and I can't continue when they were just barely favored to win versus just barely the underdog. So just flipping the expectations in a match from a player being favored to win, say, because they were ranked 100 and their opponent was ranked 101 in the world uh, versus the opposite. So if I was ranked 101, my opponent was ranked 100, I'm not expected to win. We see this giant change in how likely you are to walk off the court under exactly the same match circumstances. You lose the first set. And being the underdog by that small amount increases the likelihood you stick it out, whereas being the favorite, all of a sudden you say, I'm throwing in the towel. So, so I mean, this psychology is basically about embarrassment, isn't it? About, is, is that the right word to use? Yeah, we, we found that exactly to be the mediator. So that the, the mechanism that we identify is, is embarrassment. And we, we conducted some interviews as well of tennis players and found that uh, they were concerned about these psychological effects. Uh, it's it's not fun when you're the favorite to experience that loss in, in a very public way. And we found a similar thing in our experiments where we measured it directly. And we find that, in fact, it was embarrassment that was really capturing a lot of this action. So company, if, if companies want to manage their stars better, tell me if this is correct, then if you have a real star and they they stumble out of the gate on a on a project, that takes some. You're saying that takes more attention and delicate management. Don't just assume that they're high performers and of course they're going to rise to the cause. That's exactly right. That's exactly the key implication. Really, is um, people who expect great things are actually going to have more trouble with adversity, and we don't focus on that. Uh, in the past literature, that has not been something people noted, and we think it's really important to shine a light on that. I'm assuming your conclusions surprised you because prior research kind of showed the opposite. But did you suspect this and went looking for it or did it pop out while you were looking for something else? Uh, We had an intuition that we might see this in this context and uh, we thought there was something missing in prior research. So prior research had told a very clear story about the benefits of being the favorite and all of the things that come with that. And we felt like there was something missing from that narrative Uh, I actually, in a previous life, as I was chatting with you guys about before we started this interview, um, played tennis very seriously. I was a varsity athlete in a Division I school and played tennis there. So I have this background in this sport. And this is something I remember very vividly from a childhood spent on tennis courts was how incredibly um, challenging it was to be the favorite, how unpleasant it was to walk on the court with that burden that you were expected to walk off with a victory. And so uh, and how, how many people were expecting that of you and how tough it was when things went the other way. So this seemed like a really nice place to, to make this point where we would be able to potentially see in the data a major consequential decision that was moving as a result of being the favorite in the opposite of the predicted direction. So it's a bigger loss if you were expected to win than if you were expected to lose. And is it, is it mostly internal pressure, really, that people put on, on themselves? They're, they're imagining 
what the outside pressure is? Or is the outside pressure really there and they're just responding to that or both? Probably. Oh, I both. think it's both. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think what happens is that people are people have expectations for themselves. And when they don't meet those, that's, that's one thing for them to contend with. And I think the second thing is, is when things are very public, there's, there's now a much, much larger psychological force that's pushing down on them. And I think quitting is something that we haven't explored much in the management literature, in psychology, that when do people persist? When do they quit? And I think this is a great environment to study it. And, and though we studied it in men's professional tennis, uh, one reason why that's so nice is because all of the outcomes and behaviors are so easy to observe, but I think it really has broad, broad application. Um, let's talk about some of those broader applications that you're referring to. I know we, we broach it a little bit, but let's talk about those. Yeah. So, I mean, I think a key thing to say here is even though, as Maurice is pointing out, sports data are widely available, we often end up using sports to make different points about human behavior because uh, of the nature of the big data that's available so easily on sports. So really the key point of this paper is not that tennis players walk off the court when um, they're favorites at a higher rate than when they're underdogs and they and they face the same setbacks. The point is that it's challenging to have the pressure of the world on your shoulders in ways that we haven't previously appreciated, that um, when everyone is looking to you to always be a star – there's something that comes with that that's not so great and that we need to be much more mindful of that in organizations. One thing I noticed in the paper, which I thought was interesting because it seems to be a theme that you hear about more today than, than you did 10 or 15 years ago, and that's this idea of a culture of failure where it's okay to fail because if you don't fail, you weren't taking risks and it's harder to advance. And so companies that expect you to fail sometimes are are setting a different set of expectations is that would that be a helpful way for companies to manage this especially with their stars and high performers absolutely i think it's it's really important to to experience failure to recognize that there are learning opportunities and to recognize that if we're not failing sometimes we're not shooting high enough and and i think we need a resilient culture and our findings speak to that that is here's a particular context in which we should be particularly careful when people have, they walk in with high expectations and they begin to falter, they begin to experience setbacks, they really have two options. They could persist and try to grind it out or they could take the easier route that might preserve their self-esteem, be less embarrassing, and exit. And particularly when things are public, uh, we identify this serious problem. Uh, And I had one other thing, which is that in men's professional tennis... The option to to exit isn't an easy one. You have to attribute that to an injury. So in all of these cases, in the 20% jump that Katie mentioned before, what that means is that people are claiming to be injured uh, when we suspect, and from interviews that we had uh, separately um, with tennis players, we suspect that sometimes they're really not injured, which means that people are willing to engage in some unethical behavior uh, to, to exit. Not injured or, or maybe sometimes just exaggerating maybe even to themselves a level of injury that they're experiencing, I guess. Right. But I, I think an important point that Maurice is making here is this is a, a situation where it's actually quite tough mm-hmm. to exit. 
the exit cost is high. You have to lie publicly about something. Imagine an organizational context where the decision to persist is not as challenging, right? You can walk off the any day and say, let's end this project. It's not going well. Uh, a lot of the time, it's easier to be uh, a quitter, essentially, than in this context. And we might see even larger effects. We see huge effects, even in the setting where there's a very specific definition of what is allowable for quitting. And it has to be a medical reason. Mm-hmm. We still see a 20% boost right. as a result of the psychological phenomenon. So just imagine you're in an organization, people are making investment decisions, and they can quit because they don't feel like this is the right direction to go. No justification really needed beyond that. You might see dramatically larger rates at which this is a problem. Uh, you, you mentioned some other things in uh, in the business world, where which were ways to quit without it being quite so dramatic as it would be on national TV for a tennis match, right? So you could, I mean, some people might actually quit their job, right? Or or, um, maybe request a transfer to another department. I mean, there's like many ways to, to... sort of get out of that situation that you're finding really uncomfortable if you want, right? Well, you see this with, with politicians when uh, they have some early survey data looking like things aren't going well. Uh, you often see some politicians say, oh, I need to spend more time with my family or I have this other issue, that that people do give those excuses. But I think, I think what Katie was speaking to is that we often have options, for example, to allocate our time differently. And there could be much lower hurdles to shifting our allocation in a way that reflects this kind of quitting. And what we saw was very dramatic. Uh, and and I think that there are much broader applications for that. So I do want to ask you what you're going to look at next in this context, if there's something. But before I get to that, just one interesting thing that also came up, and that is, is the bookend to this, that people with lower expectations outperform, right? Is that, in other words, did you find any connection with the other group? Not really. Okay. I think the the way of thinking about this is not that it's great to be an underdog, because the truth of the matter is that it it is, on average, really better to be a favorite. They win at a higher rate and, right. uh, and so on. Uh, what it's highlighting is a challenge that was previously unappreciated, which mm-hmm. is this Uh, humiliation factor, if Mm -hmm. you will, that um, you have this burden of public image and internal image management that can lead to some perverse Mm -hmm. things happening, like um, wanting to get out of the limelight if things aren't going well, Mm -hmm. not responding well to adversity. But in general, there are many benefits to being the favorite Mm -hmm. over being the underdog. And so high expectations are good. They just have this caveat that's Mm -hmm. unappreciated Mm -hmm. in in past research. So where would you take this next then? Well, your research. I think the the question of quitting and persistence is a really broad and important one. And we know that persistence is what it takes to get, you know, to move a mountain, to get things done. It's people who are tenacious that end up being very successful. Uh, and yet at the same time, we know that there are times when we should be stopping and reallocating our resources. And I think we haven't really grasped uh, when, you know, when we should quit, when we should persist, what should be guiding those those decisions, and I think there's a lot of interesting psychology around that, uh, and I think there are many open questions. Well, thanks for coming in. This was uh, 
really interesting one. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having Thank us. You. If you like what you hear, or even if you don't, please let us know. Uh, and you can listen to more podcasts from Knowledge at Wharton at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.